0: and tell them, hey, I want to take the money from this account. I'm rolling it over into a solo 401k that I've established. Please make a check payable to me as trustee of you know, ABC 401k plan. You then take that check and deposit it at your local bank.
1: This is Passive Wealth Strategies for Busy Professionals. I'm your host, Taylor Lote, and today our guest is Scott Maurer from Advanta IRA. Today, we're going to talk about the solo 401k or the QRP or whatever you want to call it, and the important distinctions between that investment structure, that that account type, and a self-directed IRA, and who qualifies for a solo 401k or a QRP or whatever you want to call it. Because there's a lot of misinformation out there right now of people pushing the solo 401k, or I should say recommending the solo 401k for folks that don't qualify just because the solo 401k has some very important advantages over the self-directed IRA. I use a self-directed IRA myself. Uh, This conversation spurred me to look into starting my own solo 401k. So it's a very informative conversation. I got a lot of actionable information out of this conversation, so I hope you will as well from Scott Maurer with Advanta IRA. Without further ado, here's the interview. Scott, thank you for
0: joining us today. Hey, no problem, Taylor. Happy to be here.
1: Happy to talk with you. We're going to discuss... Solo four hundred one ks are important differences between those and the self directed IRA, which we've talked about on the show before. But before we get into that, can you tell the listeners about your background and what you do?
0: Sure. Um, um, again, my name is Scott Maurer. I'm with a company called Advanced IRA. My background, kind of from an educational perspective, uh, I am a licensed attorney. Although what I do for our retirement plan company really doesn't involve my uh, any legal expertise or legal training that I've had. Uh, in the past. But what I do with Advanta IRA is really focus on our business development. Uh, and our business development strategies are really built around educating people about uh, both self-directed IRAs uh, and self-directed 401ks. The, you know, obviously, we're going to talk about the differences between those. Uh, but certainly, we educate people, though, on all aspects of those accounts, the contribution limits, the deadlines, what you can invest in, what the rules are. Uh, and that's really what I spend most of my day doing. Uh, is you know talking to to general individuals, you know individuals looking to refer people, um, and just giving them kind of the uh, A to Z of of self directed self direction in general. Just you know again, our our business development strategy is really just to inform and educate, uh, and figure that'll help. That'll do enough to to keep us pretty busy.
1: Cool, great. So uh, that that is a great way to generate business, and uh, that's why we. Got you on the podcast today. I'm sure, so nothing wrong with that. Can you let Let's get right into it. Can you tell us some a give us a high level overview of the solo 401k uh, in comparison to the self directed IRA?
0: So the I mean, the self directed IRA is is I mean, they've both been around for a long time. And I think more people are familiar with the self directed IRA uh, mainly because you know a lot of people have former employers' plans. They may still be working for people, and it's it's very easy just to roll into an, an IRA account. Uh, and then in turn, make those investments. Um, so for an individual who is working for a business where you have a W-2 salary, um, their IRA account is the mechanism by which they, they invest. So a lot of people are more familiar with that type of vehicle. The solo 401k is, is something that's, been, again, been around for a while, just not many people know about it because it is a, an account specially geared to those who are either who are self-employed, who don't have employees basically that allows them to take, take it full advantage of what a 401k would offer, but apply it just simply to their small business. Um, so it's a specialized plan. Sometimes it's called a QRP, who uh, unique, unique, uni K, individual K, they're all the same thing. It's a 401k for an, you know, an individual who owns their own business, who doesn't have employees. And it gives you a lot kind of more, you know, different benefits than the IRA has. There are a lot of similarities, uh, but there are some key differences between them. So people who are self-employed, definitely an account you should be looking at uh, if you haven't, it's it's again, there's some CPAs out there who are, who are up to speed and very knowledgeable about, about it. Uh, and will bring that to, to a client's attention, but a lot of them that aren't. And for, quite frankly, and then they, so a client can have their business be self-employed and their accountant is not thinking about retirement planning for them or different ways to get money in accounts. Um, but the solo K is, is definitely a, a very powerful tool for those who qualify.
1: Awesome. So, you know there are very important differences between what one can do with a solo 401k and a self-directed ira at least to my understanding i'm i'm certainly not an expert on either of these especially solo 401k so can you tell us about you know the differences between what one can do with a solo 401k and a self-directed ira because there's a lot of a conversation on internet forums like bigger pockets and various Facebook groups about, Oh, get a QRP, get a QRP. But you know, why? What's, what's the difference really?
0: Sure. There's a couple of differences in a couple of different areas. So between a 401k slash QRP and an IRA, one of the, the main differences up front is how much you can contribute to that account uh, in a given year with a lot of the IRA, with the traditional or Roth IRA you're limited to, you know, six or $7,000 a year. That she can put in out of pocket to, to, that, to that self-directed you know, Roth or traditional IRA. So one big difference, the solo 401k, again, for those of you who are self-employed, you can actually contribute up to $56,000 a year uh, into the solo K plan. And you have the ability to designate up to 19000 of that money as Roth contributions. So if you're looking to get more money in a tax-free vehicle, a solo 401k where you elect a Roth feature, one of the huge differences is simply you can put in $19,000 a year into the Roth portion of that 401k and then add your employer's match on top of that. Again, where you're getting a, a combined $56,000 a year contribution into that plan. So quite a bit more on the contribution level. That certainly is one, one big difference. Um, I think another key difference, uh, those people who have 401ks are probably familiar with this, is that you can borrow from it. Um, with the IRA account, you are prohibited absolutely from borrowing against your IRA account. With 401k plans, you can borrow up to $50,000 or 50% of the total account value, whichever is less. So that's, again, a huge uh, benefit. You know, if you ever need a loan, you can borrow from that solo 401k. Um, and I think the uh, you know one of the other the key benefits – it's a little, little technical road here, but when you are investing with an IRA account into real estate that has leverage as part of the investment, you're buying a single family home with a mortgage or whether you're investing into a, a syndicated deal where there's, there's leverage involved, your IRA is subject to something called something called unrelated business income tax or UBIT tax. That tax does not apply in most cases to a solo 401k plan. So that's, again, if you're looking at investing in real estate, with your retirement funds, a solo K, again, if eligible gives you the ability to do so into those leverage deals where you might have a greater potential for return and not have to worry about that UBIT tax.
1: So that in the context of UBIT, in my opinion, that is the most common reason that solo 401ks are brought up is the lack of eligibility for UBIT or or in most cases not being a, a subject to UBIT. So That's why most people talk about it. But the most, I I think the most important thing that is not brought up in the same conversation is eligibility for a solo 401k. So who is eligible for a solo 401k?
0: So for, for a solo 401k, and this is kind of, you know, I think you had a great point there, Taylor. Not everybody qualifies and that can be a misnomer. Someone says, oh, just go get a solo K. To have a solo 401k, any 401k for that matter, the IRS expects there to really be a sponsoring business, you know, a company or an entity or even an individual who's a sole proprietor that is sponsoring that 401k as its own business entity. But if you are a W-2 employee of another company and you want to start a solo 401k for yourself, you need to have some type of business. On the, it can be on the side, doesn't have to be your full-time gig, but you do need to have some type of at least a side business, other sorts of income where you're driving that active business income to really qualify you to have that solo 401k. Now, it doesn't have to be a situation where you have a certain amount of profits each year, or maybe even that you are profitable each year in your side business. You just want to have that separate business that's legit. Uh, you know, it's not your uh, kid's lemonade stand, um, you know, on, on a, two Saturdays a year or something like that. You want to have some kind of legit business. Again, it may not be profitable to you year to year, but it needs to be a legit business. And the IRS does expect when you set up a solo 401k that at some point, and again, not necessarily every year, that you make contributions. You know, you defer some of your salary uh, on your side business, or you contribute a portion of profits each year into that solo 401k. If you never make an, an extra contribution to that solo plan, um, outside of maybe rolling over an, an existing IRA into that solo, k, okay, if you never make an out-of-pocket contribution, you're you're opening yourself up to IRS scrutiny that this is not a legit 401k plan. And they really expect you, you know, they, they want you to have a sponsoring business and at least the ability to, and occasionally making contributions to the plan. doesn't have to be a lot, doesn't have to be every year, but you have to do something.
1: Well, that is definitely good to know that they expect you to contribute. That makes a lot of sense. I appreciate the warning. It's notable to me in that, If you're a W-2 employee and you have a side business that you can still be eligible for a solo 401k, can we talk a little bit more about those requirements and what one needs to do to set up a a solo 401k? Like what are some of the specific requirements that we have to fulfill to start with this?
0: Sure. So, I mean, one easy way to, to meet that requirement, let's say you have a side business. If you set up an LLC or a corporation, and you pay yourself a small salary, you have a separate business account um, that you're operating this special business out of. And again, it can also be a sole proprietorship, um, but you need to have income or profits. You have to be running this legitimate business uh, on the side. Now, one thing to note, I, I kind of you mentioned it just reminded me as well. If you have a 401, if you have a W2 business and you have a 401k through that company, that's fine. You can still have a separate solo K as long as you have that side business. Keep in mind, though, that your contributions to your company's 401k, you know, your W-2 job 401k, will impact how much you can actually contribute on the solo side and vice versa. So you can't double dip that 19000 of salary deferral plus the profit sharing match uh, is across all of your 401ks. So if you have a separate solo K, just keep that in mind. But you can make smaller contributions. Again, you need to have you know, your sell- you're selling widgets, you are getting paid for consulting services, something like that having that legitimate business on the side you, know, you should have a separate you could have a separate tax ID number for that business a separate, again a separate LLC and it should be active income um, if you ha- own a rental property and you simply receive rental proceeds each year that is passive income that is not a business activity to the IRS so it should be you're selling widgets you're providing some kind of service um, in order to legitimize again that side business it's going to then of course legitimize the solo K.
1: So that is a very important caveat, because when you say, if you have an LLC setup, most people, most real estate investors might think, oh, I, I hold my properties all in LLCs. So no problem. But since your properties are probably passive income, as far as the IRS is concerned, those do not make you eligible for the solo 401k.
0: That is correct. Right. And then that goes, and to be frank, that goes for IRAs too, to make contributions to any type of retirement account, it has to come from an earned income situation. And even though you're, you know, dealing with tenants and toilets and termites and those lovely things with rental properties, the IRS still considers your rental income passive. So you have to get to a situation where you could have a rental portfolio and pay yourself a small salary um, as the property manager, so to speak. That would qualify if you if you as long as you take that salary. And again, that's a situation where your accountant is going to come into play because frankly, sometimes they will say, why would you take a salary? Uh, you don't want to do that. Um, and, and for some, in some cases they're, they're definitely correct in other situations if you're ultimately looking of, I need to legitimize my 401k so that I can use all that cash to invest in a syndication and not have to worry about UBIT. It's going to be worth it in the long run to maybe pay yourself a small five or $10,000 salary one year to legitimize your 401k.
1: Yeah, I think if it's part of your overall strategy, then don't let your CPA necessarily talk you out of that small salary if it is for a bigger purpose. Correct. Yeah. Okay. And are there any particular types of business structures, like entity structures, you know, S Corps, C Corps? I'm certainly not an expert on these things. How does do those play into this kind of eligibility? Can you explain that a bit? It's all kind of you know, murky to me.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, again, when you're setting up your, your side business or small business, that's talk to a CPA then as well. Most of them, most most of the times when you set up a business, you're either doing it as a sole proprietor. um, If you may be using a spouse as an LLC tax, as a partnership that would qualify. uh, And certainly a lot of, of S-corps as well. Um, Again, and the right tax structure for you is going to possibly depend on the right business. And also if you have that partner, there's certainly tax saving strategies Within a within a business, whether it's a side business or whether it's your you know your primary business, if you are self-employed, um, that's a great discussion to have with your CPA because there are a lot of other tax issues that go along into that. Um, but an S corp, a sole proprietor, um, an LLC, taxes a partnership; those can all be certainly qualified. We don't see a lot of corporations, a lot of small businesses um, don't want to be taxed as a C corp. Um, for for some obvious reasons, but you, usually S corps, partnerships, and sole proprietors are the entities that are uh, fueling that solo K.
1: I brought it up. I I need to get a, an S corp and a C corp expert on here to explain the differences to me. So I'm gonna I'm gonna write that down and and <laughs> make that a topic.
0: Yeah, I mean, qu- quick, just a very quick, and because I'm not an expert in either. Uh, S-Corps allow you to take some salary and also some profits of the business and, and treat them a little bit differently. A C- and so you as an individual, you don't, uh, you're don't, you taxed in, in one way. Now with the C-Corp, that's companies like Coca-Cola, McDonald's, where the corporation pays tax at the corporate level. They then pass all of the earnings and dividends on to the shareholders. Well, if it's you who owns that business as a C-Corp, you're going to pay tax at the corporate level, have that income then passed to you. And when you take your salary, you're paying tax again on that income. So that's why a lot of small businesses are not going to be taxed uh, as a C corp, but larger corporations do that because it allows them to encourage people to invest with them um, and, and, and pass on a capital gains tax rate as opposed to um, ordinary income. There's definitely some differences there, but yeah, I would have an expert on for the S corp and C corp, because that's definitely would be beneficial to, especially those individuals who are looking to start a small business on what the benefits an S corp gives them.
1: Well, that is definitely good to know. I, I appreciate the the high level overview. Um, I think that has clarified a lot for me as far as actually deploying funds that are in a, a solo four hundred one k. So, as we currently record this, the episode that came out yesterday was about checkbook control IRAs. Now, when this is going live, when you're as folks are listening to this, it'll be a few months ago. But uh, if you want to look back to that, if we compare the actual use of funds in a solo 401k to maybe a checkbook control IRA or a self-directed IRA. What does that look like and, and how do fees compare and the actual nuts and bolts of actually deploying that money, say into a real estate syndication or a rental property or things like that?
0: Yeah, I think that that's a great point. I think this is where you're going to see another huge benefit that the solo K has over the, the self-directed IRA the self-directed IRA, as you mentioned, if you want that type of checkbook control where you you, know, you the money's in an account that you can simply write a check out of, you're not having to go back to your IRA custodian, it requires you to set up an LLC. So you're going to have to set up an LLC in a state, pay a fee uh, to get it set up, pay an annual fee going forward to keep that LLC active. So for a self-directed IRA, you cannot be your own trustee or custodian. You have to have a company. and That's something we do for clients uh, at Advana. But to get that direct control, you have to then you sort of set up basically an LLC. Some people have used trust here and there to get that checkbook control. Now with a solo K, you are the trustee of the plan. And as such, you can open up a bank account. You can go down to your local bank where you have all your other accounts at and open up a bank account in the name of the solo 401k that you establish. You can roll your funds into that bank account and simply do all your investing in and out of that, that one account. So we call that. An Advantage, we call it a do-your-own 401k. We can provide you with the 401k plan document. You take that plan document. We help you get a tax ID number. Those are the two items you would need then to get a bank account established. And by doing that, um, that's when you're going to get the checkbook control without even without needing the LLC. So when you go to invest in that syndication or a property down the street, you're running everything in and out of that 401k bank account. So it does bypass the requirement of having that LLC now. Some people use LLCs for other legal reasons, uh, for protection. But if you're solely looking for that checkbook control, you can get it with a solo 401k and just a bank account at your local bank. Interesting. So I think that's a huge that's a huge benefit. Obviously, you have much more control. You get that degree of control right in that 401k.
1: That's fascinating. That's a great advantage. Um, another question that I have is: so a lot of people, a lot of our listeners passive wealth strategies for busy professionals. We're busy professionals. We've got the W-2 or we had it at one point. So we have either a a standard 401k or some kind of rollover IRA right now. If we want to go down this road of the solo 401k, how can we become eligible to roll those funds in the rollover IRA? or what have you into a solo 401k? Or can we do that at all? What are our options?
0: You can. So if you, if you as long as you're eligible to have the solo 401k and you get it set up, your next step then is either to, to fund it you know, with new contributions that you make from your business, or if you have an old 401k or a rollover IRA, you simply contact the administrator or custodian of those other accounts and, and tell them, hey, I want to take the money from this account. I'm rolling it over into a solo 401k that I've established please make a check payable to me as trustee of, you know, ABC 401k plan. You then take that check and deposit it at your local bank. So they're going to issue you a 1099 form showing that they distributed that, but they're going to code it. They distributed it to a qualified plan, basically your 401k. So no taxes are withheld. The IRS is not going to expect any uh, income tax to be paid because it was rolled over to a qualified plan.
1: So going back to the limits on contributions and, and what have you, how does that play into rollovers? Is there any limitation or how does that work?
0: It, it does not. It actually doesn't play into it all. So the IRS only limits retirement accounts, IRAs and 401ks each year to how much you can contribute out of your pocket. So that for the solo K, that $56,000 number, that's only for new money going into the plan uh from your own pocket. If you have money in an, an old 401k or an IRA account, that is money that's already been contributed. So there is no limitation on rolling that money into the solo K. Okay. So, that, so yeah so your contributions are not affected at all by other monies you're moving in from IRAs or 401ks.
1: Interesting. So now I'm I'm formulating some plans in my head for you know <laughs> what I need to do for, you know, because my my syndication business will make me I believe will make me eligible. So uh, we might need to have a conversation about this later. So, you know, while we've got you, what are some other misconceptions that you've noticed about solo 401ks that you'd like to clear the air on while we've got our, our listeners tuning in?
0: Um, again, I, I, we've mentioned already, I mean, I think the idea that just everyone can have one, just sign up for one is, is definitely a misnomer that you need to, to make sure you're still following the rules. Um, The UBIT tax issue, um, UBIT tax, the 401Ks, it doesn't apply on acquisition indebtedness. So if you were buying into a syndication that's acquiring new debt or you're buying, say, a rental property that you're getting a new mortgage to acquire the property, that's where the 401K doesn't pay UBIT tax. But if your 401K was buying into something where there was already debt financing in place, your 401K may still be subject to UBIT tax. And that's a very tricky area that I think the IRS hasn't fully flushed out. So that's something to be careful on as well as if your 401k was invested into an actual business. That's where UBIT tax applies to IRAs as well, not just in the leverage real estate arena, but if your 401k was invested as a partner in a local restaurant or your 401k is getting business profits back each month, your 401k is still going to be subject uh, to that UBIT tax. So again, that's something else that uh, you got to keep in mind. Um, I don't know if it's a misnomer or misconception, but, one thing to remember about 401 ks is we're just talking about the rollovers and the transfers from IRAs and old 401ks due to a mistake made when they set the Roth 401k up, you cannot move a Roth IRA into a 401k. Even if you have that Roth 401k set up just one little thing that they, they messed up on doing, they've never corrected it. So your Roth IRA funds do have to remain separate. Um, from the, from your 401k. That's some, that's the one account that cannot be rolled into that's solo. Okay. Dang it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Unfortunately that's the rules.
1: Okay. Okay. Well that, that answered one of my questions I had for you, uh, uh, later offline. So that is, uh, that is definitely good to know. And it was, it was interesting to hear about the different conditions in which, uh, solo 401k might be, Subject to paying UBIT if you're investing in a, a syndication that's already leveraged.
0: Correct. It's it's possible again. That's where the, it's less clear than IRS rules. I'm not saying it definitely applies, but I don't. I'm definitely saying it doesn't automatically clear. You're you're fine. Be careful on that because um, again, that's just the IRS exception to UBIT is for acquisition indebtedness, which means you're investing into a project. And then there's debt being acquired. But if you were coming in late to the game or something's been going on for a few years, you could be subject to that that tax. Yeah. Um, I will say one other one other quick thing about the solo K 2 that people could recognize if solo 401ks, everything's solo, that would mean one. Well, solo 401ks can cover, say, both a husband and wife um, or business partners, as long as you don't have any common law employees. You know, people who are working where you're paying on a W-2 who are working more than a thousand hours a year. For for you. You don't have any of those individuals and all of the quote employees are business owners or spouses of the business owner. They can also participate as well. So we've seen businesses with husband and wives both being able to contribute to that, solo, that same solo 401k plan.
1: Interesting. Those are interesting stipulations that uh, <laughs> we'll need to keep an eye on as we set up our, our solo 401ks. Right now, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. Okay, Scott. I've got three questions I ask every guest on the show. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, great. First one, what is the best investment that you ever made?
0: The best investment actually took uh, some Roth IRA funds and um, caught wind of a small startup company um, that was issuing some stock. They were still private. Um, and taking that company public, uh, but you're able to get in uh, at a obviously very low stock price up front. Uh, for a private investor, of course, very speculative, uh, but it was a good investment. I knew some of the other people that were getting involved who were savvy investors as well, figured that's that's a good sign as well. I was able to get on that, get on that stock at very low price, stock went public on IPO and, and made a nice little profit on it. So it's kind of taking that uh, a little bit of a gamble, obviously a little speculative, but I did it inside the Roth account. So I didn't have any uh, tax consequences.
1: Nice. Um, are we able to ask you if we would know what that company is and, and who is the company?
0: You wouldn't. Um, it was a very small company. <laughs> and so and I don't, <laughs> uh, won't share that detail necessarily. Right. But yeah, it's um, yeah, it, it was, a, it was a smaller company. I mean, there's thousands around the US to get started up like that. Some of them a lot of them have the same success stories and of course some of them don't, but yeah, it wasn't it wasn't like Google or anything like that I, was, I got in on.
1: It wasn't it wasn't Amazon. All right.
0: Gotcha. No, it was not Amazon. I'm not Bez, I'm not friends with Bezos.
1: <laughs> on the other side of that, what is the worst investment you've ever made?
0: Well, I was uh, much younger at the time. Um, I spent a lot of uh, I used to cut grass for you know earn my chore money per week growing up, and I would spend a lot of that money uh, at the local baseball card store, buying and uh, buying different baseball cards, football cards because at the time, um, those stories were coming out of the people who were discovering those old cards in the attic that were worth you know fifty hundred grand. Um, at the time, and so I spent a lot, a lot of money uh, growing up on baseball cards with the hopes that um, I would already have that collection that was going to be fifty thousand dollars a card. And turns out, uh, I guess that's not the case. They're not really in demand anymore, and I still have them all.
1: Oh man. Well, at least you have the memory and and the important lesson. So
0: yep, yes,
1: you know, what you gonna do? My favorite <laughs> question at the end of the show is, what is the most important lesson that you've learned? in business and investing?
0: Uh, I think it, it, it's surrounding yourself with the right people. Um, when you go to make any investment, you're investing in real estate, you need to have the right team to value the real estate property. If you're investing in private equity, you need to know how to evaluate. And if you can't, you need to know who to ask. And I think that's probably the most important thing um, is really surrounding yourself with the right people who can answer those questions, that um, you don't know the answer and that you can trust them to give you that, that right answer.
1: Nice, I like that. So, Scott, thank you for everything today. This is a great topic that I was really looking forward to covering on the show. If folks want to learn more about solo 401ks, more about your services, where can they get in touch with you?
0: Sure, they can just uh, they can reach out to me. Uh, my number is 727-581-9853. My direct extension is one one two three. So, you're calling the company. Hit one one two three. You'll get me directly. Um. You can also go to AdvantaIRA.com. There on one that, we have a Meet the Team page. You can can see my face, and you can email me directly from there as well.
1: Nice, great. Well, once again, thank you for everything today. Uh, this is a very interesting topic, and I feel like there's a lot of murky information out there. So I'm I'm glad you uh, you cleared the waters
0: for us today. Sure, no problem. Anytime.
1: All right. Thank you everyone for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and review on iTunes It's a very big help. If you know, anyone that can use a little bit more passive wealth in their lives, please share the show with them and bring them into the fold. I hope you have a great day and a great rest of your week. And we will talk to you on the next episode of passive wealth strategies, for busy professionals. Take care. Bye-bye.